G'day guys, and welcome to the latest Glory Days episode. This one is a look back on the Wodonga Bulldogs' history-making 1981 season, where they created Ovens and Murray Football League history. A massive thank you to episode sponsors, One Agency Aubrey Wodonga, Tyre Power Wodonga, Outdoor Indulgence Pools Yarrawonga, Stephen Smith Massage Therapy, Wodonga Bulldogs Past Players Association, and the Wodonga Football and Netball Club. Okay, let it rip, Robbie. It had been 12 years since the Bulldogs last senior premiership and with South Melbourne legend David McLeish appointed captain coach ahead of its centenary year, the excitement levels and expectations were high. They started the season brilliantly. Before the rains came, the grounds got heavy and an early final setback had the doggies on the back foot. They dug deep, they regrouped and they fought back in one of Evans and Murray Football League's greatest turnarounds in finals history. So sit back and relax and enjoy... Wodonga, 1981, the comeback. Nineteen eighty-one was the centenary year for the Wodonga Bulldogs. It was branded and promoted as the Year of the Bulldogs at the nineteen eighty-one annual general meeting in February, where Lindsay Wheeler was elected president for his second term. After finishing with nine wins and nine losses in 1980, the Doggies narrowly missed finals action by one game, with North Albury going on to win the 1980 Premiership. Wodonga coach John Henderson had advised the club he would not be coaching in 1981. It was the first time in five years Wodonga had not played finals. Things were about to change for Wodonga with the appointment of David McLeish as coach for the next two seasons. McLeish was a veteran of 213 games with South Melbourne and was still wanted by the Swans, who held him in very high regard. McLeish was inducted into the Sydney Swans Hall of Fame in 2019. McLeish explains how he got to Wodonga and how a mate at a rival club missed him. Developed from um, from Brian Lay, who was um, up at Orbit at the time, but he also he's also recruited me when uh, when he was with Norm Smith down at South Melbourne. So um, I've had a long lasting friendship with uh, Wrecker, and um, he's a I think uh, the president of Wodonga at the time was uh, Lindsay Wheeler, and he was asking Wrecker at some stage if he knew anyone that might want to coach, and uh, my name came up, so. Um, that's how I sort of eventuated that Lindsay rang me and um, and uh, said if I was interested and I was really at the end of my career at that stage and I really wanted to move back to the bush with the, you know, just our two young kids and uh, and being a bush boy and my wife being from the country as well, we decided we might want to go back to the country. So we come up and had an interview with Lindsay and uh, and they the boys there at Wodonga and end up uh, yeah, coaching at that stage. So he offered me the job about a week after I was uh, interviewed and I accepted the job. Westland, who is married to my cousin, um, you know, Peter passed away last year, which is a bit sad, but um, we actually came up and stayed with Peter when I got interviewed. Oh, <laughs> and, no. uh, was, he, was he at North <laughs> Aubrey then? Yeah, that's right, he was. <laughs> Dave, did he have an inkling that you were at what you were doing in town at the time, or did you keep it hush hush that you were having a chat to Wodonga? Oh, no, it was, um, yeah, it was pretty hush hush, yeah. When McLeish left South Melbourne, only six other players in the Bloods' history had played more games than him. Amongst them, Bobby Skilton, Ron Clegg and John Rantel. McLeish played in the Bloods' only two finals during his time at the club in 1970 against St Kilda 
at the MCG in front of 105,000 people and the elimination final against Richmond at VFL Park, South Melbourne. South Melbourne lost both matches. The excitement amongst the current playing group and committee was incredibly high, with 18-year-old ruckman Brett Allen explaining he decided to get himself prepared ahead of the pre-season. David was coming in to uh, take over from John Henderson that was coaching in 1980. And I was, I heard about uh, David's reputation on the field at least. Um, Played over 200 games for South Melbourne and uh, Victorian representative and whatever. So I was expecting this bloke to come down and be a Ron Barassi type and roar the shit out of us and bloody train the guts out of us and whatever. So I was actually quite fearful of him coming. And what, what actually turned up was the, the nicest bloke you'd ever want to meet in your life. So he was just a ripping bloke and I'm, I'm still um, still pretty good mates with him and see him fairly regularly. And um, he was just a gentleman, but um, it was he was the sort of bloke that um, you know, he just led by example. Everyone wanted to just play for him. so. It was a bit of a revelation to the club, but um, I, it's not that we didn't train hard, but um, yeah, I, I sort of thought I'd better get my ass into gear and give a little bit extra training, so I was ready for him. So that was probably the first year I got myself really fit and I was ready for, the, for this really tough pre-season. And I don't know if it was probably was pretty tough, but I was a bit fitter than normal. So I, um, I got myself right and um, that was sort of the way I took on my football for the rest of my career, just trying to get that fitness edge. Arrangements were put in place for McLeish and his wife Kate and children to relocate to Wodonga in January ahead of what was to be a very solid pre-season training campaign. McLeish immediately recognised he had a wealth of young talent at his disposal. Despite the club losing some key players, including Jack O'Halloran, who was heading home to coach How Long in the Hume League, Rover Phil McAvale had been transferred to Mildura with work and Cole Mason was returning home to Talangada. Backman Steve Smith said the arrival of McLeish changed many things. Dave McLeish came up here. He had no um, no, no preconceived ideas about any players. I think the first pre-season game, the first pre-season run, he actually didn't get here. He, he was away. I think that created a bit of an air expectation of, of what he was going to be like and I think there were a lot of players there who... They've probably been playing on reputation a bit, um, you know, been there a long time, and all of a sudden this guy had turned up and was going to turn up and really um, had no idea of who had done what at the club and who was important at the club. So it put everyone on their edge a bit, I think, and made everyone, you know, stand up and take notice. Not many in those days, I suppose, VFL players coming up here was a bit of a rarity. I mean, you've got your coaches every now and then, but... I actually had seen him, I think he played in the VFL Grand Final the year before with South Melbourne in, um, in, at the MCG in the reserves. And I think I saw him playing that. But I, I, you know, I'd heard about him, but I was really surprised that he was going to coach up here, a guy that had 200-odd VFL games. And I think it just created an air of, you know, we were a bit in awe of him um, and also we were excited to be there to, to learn under this guy. The big improvement identified by McLeish and Chairman of Selectors Gary Williamson would come from a crop of junior talent at the Doggies that had been progressing through the under-18s premiership successes. 
McLeish explained the talent was there and they just needed to get fit. I did come up before Christmas a couple of times and took the boys for a training run. You know, we went out the weir at one stage and did some other things and then we we did a few runs and then I told them, well, I expected expected of them when I got here. Uh, <laughs> I talked to a few of the people now, they all sort of said, God, we better get ourselves fit because we're going <laughs> to... So, so I scared the hell out of them. By so most of them were near the young bucks. They uh, got in their training before I actually got here. So they, they weren't too bad when I got here. Yeah, I got them really fit. And now we're young guys. You know, I didn't realise how young they were really because I'm honest with you because, uh, as I said, Peter Weston was telling me, well, oh, you've got a good side there. They're good young guys. You'll, you'll go pretty well with them. So uh, that all that all turned out pretty true. Mick Cummins, as coach, had taken the young doggies to two premierships in the last three years, while the seconds had played in the last two grand finals. The football factory of the Wodonga Football Club was ready to graduate into senior success, with McLeish the man for the job, with Cummins again coaching the under-18s and an assistant coach to McLeish for the seniors. Gary Williamson, a former Morris medalist and premiership player at Wodonga, was quoted in pre-season saying... The centenary year should be a pretty good one too. Well, let's see how it rolled out. The Doggies had an excellent build-up to the season opener on April 11, with a good showing in the pre-season comp that saw them finish third, beating Coral Rubber Glen under lights at the Lavington Sports Ground. A trip to Myrtleford kicked off the Bulldogs' season and it was a successful venture to the Alpine region, winning all three grades with the seniors kicking nine goals in each half to win by 75 points. David McLeish and Damien White, both on debut, were outstanding, while up forward, David Turner five goals and David Holland four goals enjoyed the midfield dominance of John Collins and Evan Connick. Vice-captain Bob Craig said McLeish had the team very well prepared. And he was just a very easy bloke to follow. You know, he, um, stuff that he did was uh, was just like uh, any other player. Um, you know, he was extremely, extremely fit and he was still at the peak of his powers when he came to Wodonga. He didn't seem to put any real expectations on what we could achieve. He just, uh, you know, worked hard himself, set a wonderful example and uh, we all followed him and the old blokes and some of the young blokes particularly came on under his tutelage. Lack of ego, you know, he was one of us straight away and, and just slotted in. And I'm not sure that the young blokes were actually in awe of him. I think he uh, he was just, you know, just a, a good example of yeah. what, a, what a footballer should be. And that was to work hard, prepare hard, and player. Sterling games from defenders Frank Reynolds, Steve Smith and Greg Wood was the catalyst for the Doggies' round two victory over Lavington. Craig Goody, John Collins and Gary Wheeler won the midfield while David Turner kicked six goals as Wodonga won by 30 points. There was extra feeling in the match with Lavington having been fined in February for poaching three Wodonga players who had been training at Lavington for three months without permission from Wodonga. The players were Craig Barton, Paul Priestley and Damien Walsh. Lavington delegate Brian Chalmers claimed the three players were in fact members of the Lavington Sports Club and as members were entitled to use the club's facilities, including football training if they wished. 
The case would conclude in the Supreme Court months later. Ovens and Murray Club delegates voted unanimously to fine Lavington $300 when it discovered that Lavington had not followed the league clearance guidelines where clubs must get permission from the player's current club to interview them. Back to the footy, and Wodonga made it three in a row when they travelled to John Ford Oval in Corowa and beat Corowa Glen by 43 points. Roos coach and former North Melbourne Premiership star Peter Chisnell had a dark day being reported for abusive language and then off before half-time with concussion. An eight-goal third term was the difference, with David Turner kicking six and Jim Britton five goals, who was in great form. The midfield of Connick, Collins and Wheeler again dominated as the Doggies set its sights on next week's blockbuster against old rivals Aubrey at the Aubrey Sports Ground. Bob Craig explains the rivalry that existed and the bus ride home on grand final day summed up this rivalry. Well, it was extraordinary, really. It was sides like Aubrey. Aubrey were our, our nearest rival, our most fiercest rival at that time in the makeup of the Ovens and Murray footy league. Yeah, it, was, it got no bigger than Aubrey Wodonga at that stage. But we caught a bus over to the ground and we had to go past the Aubrey Sports Ground. They had, uh, they had a big marquee there ready for their celebrations on the way back. So that was good that we could go past their ground and see that they were ready to celebrate. They didn't have that advantage to go past ours. Not that we had a marquee or tent or anything. Of course, then we come back with the, on the bus, back from Lavington, we go past there as well. So we end up singing Hang Down Your Head, Tom Doolan, a pretty rousing rendition of that, which was quite, uh, quite memorable as well. A perfect autumn day was matched by an almost perfect spectacle of country football at its best, as Wodonga booted 22 goals and Aubrey 21 goals in one of the best ever home and away matches of football witnessed by over 2,000 people for some time at the Aubrey Sports Ground. The halftime siren sounded with both teams locked together at 9-9-63 apiece in a breathtaking brand of football. Unbelievably, the game got even better as Wodonga gained ascendancy with an eight-goal third term. In a game of many highlights, it was an 11-goal effort and mark of the year contender from Tigers' Jay McNeil that had the crowd buzzing. At the other end, Doggies sharpshooter David Turner booted seven while resting ruckman Neil Brown kicked five. Key defender Steve Smith shut down Tiger coach Tom Doolan while the terrific trio of Connick, Collins and Wheeler smashed the Tigers in the midfield. The final score was Wodonga, 22-22-154 to Aubrey, 21-13-139. Despite the win, the Doggies suffered two bad injuries, with Rob Grote breaking a jaw that left him lying unconscious for seven minutes. And an impressive debut from Craig Walsh, he suffered a broken hand though. Grotely first, and then Walsh explained their injuries. I got a knee in the head in a, in a pack and uh, I woke up in Wodonga Hospital. So from Albury Sports Ground to Wodonga Hospital was a little bit of time. And the team being what it was meant you didn't come back through the seniors at that stage, you came back through the seconds. And you just had to wait your turn if you were out. You had to wait your turn because we we only lost three games for the year. Did get a few kicks, but it was all a bit of a blur. Then broke the hand and I think that kept me out for a few weeks. Um... And, you know, was was kind of in and out. But, you know, I'd kind of played played thirds there and I think we won a flag or two and then played a few in the twos. Yeah, ended up getting a game, so pretty happy. I mean, back then, 
at 18, it was simply all about footy. You know, <laughs> there wasn't much else going on. Um, I had bull terrier dogs, or one at least, and uh, the bugger grabbed hold of a, another dog outside uh, my place in Wodonga. And uh, when I was trying to get him off, the other dog jumped up and, and, and severed a nerve in, my, in one of my fingers. So I was, I was just ready to come back, <laughs> and suddenly I'm back in, back in plaster again. And that, um, I've actually still got the scar on my bloody hand. It's not as, uh, not as noticeable as it was once then, but you know, and, and that was really, really sore for, for a while. The injury to Grote forced him out of the Ovens and Murray side that were playing Southwest Football League, now called the Riverina Football League, the following Sunday. John Collins and David McLeish were both selected to play in the zone final clash at the Aubrey Sports Ground. Players selected to represent the Ovens of Murray were not permitted to play round five of club football on the previous day. With this ruling in place, the league executive decided to suspend all Morris medal voting for round five and all goals kicked in that round would not count towards the Twin Cities Concreting Goal Kickers Award. With McLeish and Collins unavailable for round five, along with the injured pair of Grote and Walsh, the Doggies debuted another two youngsters with Lloyd Elwood and speedy Mark Zuber added for the danger game at home to Wangaratta, who had won two of its four matches. The round five clash was the first of many wet and muddy contests that plagued the remainder of the home and away season as the forecasted wet winter came to fruition. Wodonga had to overcome a three quarter time deficit to overrun the defiant Magpies with Wayne Pendergast and Terry Doolan reveling in the heavy going as Wodonga prevailed by 17 points. Steve Smith recalls it was a pretty rugged encounter. Wangaratta at Martin Park and it was raining cats and dogs, muddy day and there's a certain ruckman for Wangaratta who seemed to have it in for me every time we played and anyway, something from behind and I hit the ground and sort of a little bit groggy, next thing I heard a thump and this guy hit the ground and I look up and there's wheels standing there and he must have, he would have had to jump three feet off the ground to hit this guy because he's about six foot five and but you could always rely on him to back you up if anything happened like that, you know, just just a courageous guy and a real team man, but yeah, a bit of a push grade boy in him too. Love to scrap. The following day, both David McLeish and John Collins were amongst the Ovens and Murray's best players in a hard-fought victory over the Southwest League by 22 points. Mal Ellis from Benalla with five golds was best for the Black and Golds. Fullback for Southwest was former Benalla and Ovens and Murray star Brian Symes, while the full forward was Greg Nichols, who went on to coach Myrtleford two years later when Gary Ablett played for the Saints in 1983. Legendary VFL umpire Peter Cameron was the umpire in charge. Cameron umpired over 300 senior AFL games, including three grand finals between 1977 and 1993. The following is an extract from the game day program message from Southwest President Frank Gaynor, showing just how much things have changed, re-advertising and sponsorship in the last four decades. All right, everybody, thank you, thank you. Just get your attention, please. Take this opportunity to thank Winfield for their much appreciated sponsorship of country football. Also, Carlton United Breweries for generous sponsorship to the SWDFL. Thanks, too, to Narendra Services Club. And so I suggest smoke Winfield, drink Carlton, and when in the Southwest, support the Narendra Services Club. Well, there you go. Good on you, Frank. Round six was a road trip down the Hume to face the fourth-place Benalla Demons at the Benalla Showgrounds with a crowd of over 2,000, the largest for many years, at a Benalla home game. 
Wodonga took the crowd factor out of the game with a brilliant six goals to one first term. They never relaxed throughout with the locals atrocious kicking for gold, seeing them post just seven goals from 31 scoring shots. Frank Reynolds was superb at fullback, while Steve Smith kept former Essendon star Robin Close quiet with just two goals. Close had played 147 matches with Essendon before heading to the bush, playing at both Myrtleford and then Benalla. David Turner booted seven goals, while Brian Campbell and Brett Allen dominated. The Doggies' third grade suffered its first defeat of the season by 17 points, while a young Richard Grimman was starring for the Ovens and Murray schoolboys in the state carnival. Wodonga made it seven wins in a row with their biggest win of the season, thumping Yarrawonga by 85 points, with David Turner kicking another six goals. Bob Craig and Terry Doolan were outstanding in defence, while Gary Wheeler was again dominating in the middle. In front of a record crowd of 2,800 people at Bunton Park, Wodonga put the defending Premier's North Aubrey's title defence in tatters with a 10-goal hammering. Brian Campbell dominated his wing, and along with John Collins, Evan Connick and Gary Wheeler formed a dominant midfield. Up forward, David Turner bagged five goals, while Neil Brown and Craig Goody both kicked four and Trent Marks three. The win came at a huge cost, with inspirational leader and coach David McLeish breaking a bone in his ankle just three minutes into the first quarter. The severity of the injury would ultimately keep McLeish out of action until round 17, ironically against North Albury. McLeish explained his injury and the race against time to get back on the field. Some guy just fell on my leg. <laughs> it just went, I could hear something go crack and and um, I got up and tried to run around a few times and and uh, went off and the, the doc had a look at it and said, oh, I don't think there's too much wrong with it. And sent me back on again, but I couldn't run. <laughs> so I came back off and he said, oh, I don't think you've done too much trouble with it. And he said, oh, and it blew up that particular night when I got home and blew up. And then I went in and had an x-ray on the Mondays. And sure enough, I had a crack on the, um, not the main bone, but the one that runs down the leg. It was a silver spiral crack. Bill Grant, our famous old doctor at down at, um, at Wodonga there, he sort of said, well, we're going to make the finals and we're going to get you back for the finals. So uh, he said, um, should be eight weeks in plaster, but we only can do five weeks. Yeah, Bill Grant said, you've got to get a couple of games or a game at least under your belt before you try and you know, play in these finals. And it was a really wet season. So we're running around in mud, you're virtually up to your ankles and it's I couldn't, uh, couldn't run around if I got got the ball. I didn't want to kick it. I had to kick kick on my left foot, which I'm not too flash at. So <laughs> I, was, I was trying to you know, deliver it to someone with a hand pass if I had to get it. But um, yeah, and then the next well, we played the final against Albury, and um, it was a little bit better. That it's sort of, uh, but it was still sore. I couldn't hardly kick on the damn thing. That was, and then we played the Premier League final, and it wasn't too bad. I mean, and we, which we won, but um, and to play the play over again in the grand final, you wouldn't believe it. I never felt a thing on the grand final day. It was I never got a needle or a nick. It's just it's just that the, the doc just had it down to a, a perfect timing. The long weekend in June would be a busy one for Ovens and Murray footballers and followers, with the interleague clash against Golden Valley played in Shepparton on the Saturday, and round nine of club football on the Monday. With McLeish out injured. Wodonga's representatives were Steve Smith and John Collins. After trailing at quarter time, the Ovens of Murray took control despite inaccuracy in front of gold to kick the final three goals of the game and win by 20 points. The victory in front of 2,500 spectators qualified the Ovens of Murray League to play Western Border in five weeks' time in the semi-final of the Winfield Country Championships. 
Two days later and another huge crowd flocked to Martin Park to see last season's runner-up and perennial powerhouse Wangaratta Rovers take on the ladder leaders. In a Herculean effort, both Steve Smith and John Collins backed up their outstanding interleague games two days prior with starring performances as Wodonga completed the halfway point of the 1981 season with a 40-point victory and remain undefeated. It was another seven goals from David Turner, taking his season's tally to 48. Neil Brown kicked four, capping off the miserly defensive work of Bob Craig and Smith. Young gun Brett Allen dominated the ruck, giving Evan Connick and Steve Headley great service and plenty of forward entries. The centenary season was on track to deliver a magnificent result, with Wodonga leading the competition in all three grades, with the seniors two games and percentage clear as the second half of the season and the winter had arrived. Rob Grote made his return from a broken jaw for the home clash against Myrtleford, while John Collins missed with a knee injury. A hamstring strain to forward Peter Sharp was offset by a seven-goal haul in the reserves by Peter Olin, himself returning from injury. In heavy conditions that suited the stronger bodies of the mountain men, Wodonga were forced to work overtime to come away with a 19-point victory with Evan Connick, Gary Wheeler, Rob Grote and Frank Reynolds best. Steve Smith and Rob Grote both spoke about Gary Wheeler. Gary was a great fellow. He was a hard, tough little rover, a wiry little guy. Um, really, really, really laid back sort of a guy off the ground. But on the ground, he was just um, had that white line fever and had no, um, no, no, no fear whatsoever. He was a courageous rover and uh, he was inspiring. And especially when we talk about the '81 Grand Final, where he, he was uh, best on the ground, he was he was absolutely you know, amazing game of football he played. But he was just one of those guys, even though he was small, you stood two feet high because he was out there, you know. He was just hard and out of the ball. A, a ball magnet, you know. When you look at that guy, I, I don't think there's been a rover since who would be right with him as far as hardness and toughness that the ball would go. I think he was going out with a girl up here or we actually married a girl up here, Leone, um, uh, from the Kiwa Valley. And I don't know how Wodonga got hold of him, but... Um, he actually moved up here for work, um, and he worked with uh, Leone's father in a, in a cattle carrying business, a stock carrying business, and uh, I think that's what got him to the doggies. Devastating for everyone, um, you know, just absolutely devastating for everyone. Such a such a big um, big figure at the club, Gary. Even though he's only a small guy, but he just had so much character, and he he was just um, looked up to by everyone for his courage and his, you know. He was just a great fellow to be around, great clubman, and uh, devastatingly, uh, tragically lost his life in a, in a workplace accident in, in January, just, you know, not long after the grand final, in which he was the best player on the ground. And, yeah, it knocked everyone around for a long time at the club, um, left a big hole in the club, both on and off the ground. Wills was uh, not only just as a footballer but as a person. Was, he was one of the toughest footballers I've ever seen. He was only he was only a little whip of a fella. He was extremely strong, even though he wasn't big. Uh, his courage was phenomenal. He just brought into our club just the way everybody should be. He epitomised everything. He did everything to be better at what he did, to bring everybody into what was going on and much loved. And he was only with us for, that was his second season when he came to us and it was a tragedy. Round 11, and it was a trip across the border to take on second place Lavington. The Doggies were strengthened with the return of John Collins, while Lavington were without star rover Peter King 
who was on state duty with Victorian Country. The match also celebrated Greg Wood's 100th game and it turned into one of the season's best matches as Wodonga held off a withering last quarter comeback by Lavington to win by four points, 17-17 to 17-13. When Dave Turner kicked his fourth goal early in the final term, Wodonga looked home, leading by 32 points. The next 10 minutes was all Lavington as they booted five goals to reduce the margin to just two points. Both sides kicked two more goals in a thrilling finish with best on ground David Elkington taking a match-saving mark with seconds remaining amongst claims by Lavington that the siren might have been a bit premature. Round 12, a home game against Coral Glen, was another dour slog on a heavy and muddy Martin Park oval that was getting no respite from the wet winter. The 25-point margin was worth a lot more in the conditions that defenders Bob Craig, Frank Reynolds and Terry Doolan revelled in. Johnny Collins and Evan Connick both did their Morris medal hopes no harm with superb games. Round 13 and a trip across the Murray River for a very hungry pack of Tigers who were hell-bent on inflicting the Doggies' first defeat of the season. This they did in horrendous muddy and slushy conditions that left players almost unrecognisable on both sides. The final margin of 34 points was comprehensive thrashing as Aubrey made it seven wins in a row and moved into outright second place. Despite the loss, Wodonga had plenty of goers with Steve Headley, Steve Smith, John Collins and Greg Wood adapting best to the conditions as the Doggies kicked just four goals for the match. Club football had a general bye next Saturday for the Winfield Country Championship semi-final against the Western Border Football League at the Wangaratta Showgrounds. Despite having nine more scoring shots, the Ovens of Murray lost a thriller to the visitors by just six points. Two goals from ten scoring shots in the third quarter proved costly for the black and golds. Steve Smith and John Collins were again the sole Wodonga representatives. Club football was back in action and round 14 had the Bulldogs travelling down the Hume Highway to take on a desperate Wangaratta whose season was on the line. The home side had opened up a two-gold half-time lead and Wodonga were looking at a second straight loss. A half-time rev up and some positional changes did the trick as Wodonga cut loose in a scintillating third quarter, kicking eight unanswered goals. Steve Smith at centre half-back and David Turner five goals led the turnaround as the Doggies all but wrapped up top position. Wodonga at home for its clash with Benalla and in a dramatic move, Wodonga Sports Club officials declared that Martin Park ground was too wet and muddy and the game was shifted across to Martin Park number two, or as some may know it, Les Cheesley Oval. It certainly improved the spectacle with Wodonga courtesy of another eight goal third quarter, winning by 34 points. Neil Brown kicked six and Dave Turner five goals, proving the difference. Murderford's home game against Yarrawonga was rescheduled to the following Saturday due to flooding in the Alpine town. Fortunately, the league had a general bile available after the Ovens and Murray were beaten in the semi-finals of the country championships. Wodonga suffered its second loss when Yarrawonga jumped them in the first quarter and despite having more scoring shots, the Doggies fell three points short with Terry Doolan best for the losers. Rob Grote said the season started in dry and when the rain came, it impacted the team's style of play and makeup, but in the end, may have played in the Dogs' favour. Yeah, it did, Robbie. As I say, we're, we're a fairly young side, or very young side, and um, obviously light on as well. So the heavy grounds, and we don't see grounds like that now anymore. They were very, very heavy all along the way. So uh, that, that did 
have an effect on us and, and the bigger, strong sides. I think we were beaten by Albury and Wang Rovers and Yarrawonga. They had big, strong bodies. Did, and uh, interestingly, I, I bumped into Tom Dillon, who was coach of Albury. I bumped into Tom about six or eight weeks ago when we had a chat and uh, he said exactly what you're coming to. He said he, he thinks they got caught out in that they're, they're, they were the heavier, bigger, stronger side and a bit slower. And when the seven changes were made for the grand final or the preliminary final team to start with and in grand final, Macca, we went away from a bigger, taller side to a smaller, fast running side above the ground and the ground just happened to fine up and be nice and firm. Yeah, Tom was, he acknowledged that that was one of the failings there that they probably couldn't get out of anyway. It's a pretty hard to change a side that wins by 15 goals from a second semi to a grand final, so his hands were probably tight. The game was also the first time the two umpire system had been used in the league. This was fast-tracked after a dispute between the league and the VFL umpiring body in Melbourne. The Bulldogs' final home game of the season was against North Aubrey, which also signalled the long-awaited return of David McLeish, who had 77 days earlier broke a bone in his ankle against North Aubrey. An interesting fact from the Round 17 clash against North Aubrey was that the Bulldogs fielded only 14 of what would be the grand final side that would play five weeks later. Bob Craig, ankle, Greg Wood, ribs, were out injured, while Rob Grote, Peter Olin, Peter Sharp and Tim Marks all played seconds in round 17. Craig Walsh said there was plenty of competition for positions all season. Back then, you know, there was no Raiders, so Wodonga was the one side uh, in the town. And, um, yeah, Macker had been had come in as a... Dave McLeish had come in as the new coach and, and was a legend, you know. Played over 200 games at South Melbourne and we all felt pretty bloody lucky to have uh, Macker at the club. And But we'd come through as a sort of a cohort from the, the unders. Um, yeah, we, we pulled, played together. We had really strong two side, you know, guys that had come up through the under-18s. Um, you know, I mean, we'd all sort of played together, you know, Brett Allen, Dave Turner, I think you played, we had um, Chuck Headley. So you went up, you played well for a couple of games and then you, you dropped back and someone else got an opportunity um, and, and went up and did what they did. And, yeah, we were just lucky to have great depth in the side. I mean, it, but, you know, the whole town revolved, well, in my, in my view anyway, the whole town revolved around the footy club. Despite the omissions, Wodonga overcame a half-time deficit to beat North Aubrey by 27 points with Jim Britton, Evan Connick, Wayne Pendergast and Gary Wheel of the standouts. The loss for North Aubrey meant that to play finals, the defending premiers would have to beat Cora Rutherglen at Cora in the final round. To complete the home and away season, Wodonga had a road trip to Wangaratta Rovers. In a bizarre game, the Rovers kicked six of its eight goals in the second quarter, while Wodonga kicked four of its five goals in the third quarter. Both teams kicked just one point in the final quarter in very heavy going. Terry Doolan, Gary Wheeler and David Elkington battled hard as the Rovers inflicted the Doggies' third defeat of the season by 20 points. Wheeler was reported for striking in the third quarter and escaped any penalty at the tribunal after the panel deliberated for 20 minutes and gave Wheeler the benefit of very grave doubt. Earlier in the evening, Yarrawonga seconds ruckman Joe Lawless escaped suspension after the tribunal decided he had been under severe provocation from Aubrey opponent Morris Eames. So ended the 18 home and away rounds, and for Donga, it was a great result. With the seniors and reserves finishing in top spot, 
and the thirds finishing second behind Benalla. Dave Turner won the gold kicking with 74 golds. Lloyd Elwood the seconds with 53 golds. And Jake Elkington kicked 70 to win the thirds. Evan Connick won both media awards, the All Brick Bordermail Trophy and the 3 e East West Travel Award. Rob Grote spoke about Dave Turner. Dave, uh, yeah, Dave came to Tuadonga from, uh, well, from Mitter Footy Club, but whilst he lived at Sandy Creek, played up at Mitter through his juniors, and David and his bro- twin brother Shane came into town. Uh, he was just a, a magnificent footballer, huge competitor, pride in everything that he did himself and his mates and the club, and one of the finest guys you'd ever want to meet. And, uh, yeah, tragically passed away young from cancer, but um, he was just a fantastic footballer. The Morris Medal for the Seniors League Best and Fairest was won by Aubrey defender Rod Coelli. Five votes clear of Phil Seaton from Wangaratta Rovers with 1973 winner John Smith, North Aubrey, a further vote behind. Evan Connick polled the most votes with Onga with 14. Aubrey enforcer Morris Moosemes took out the Seconds League Best and Fairest, one vote ahead of Wodonga Ruckman Peter Bully-Macklin. Brian Judd from Yarrawonga won the thirds medal. The final make-up of the top five was decided when Cora Rutherglen's John Omo Clohesse kicked the last quarter goal to eliminate North Aubrey and advanced the ruse into next week's elimination final against Wangaratta Rovers. Aubrey, with 12 straight victories, finished just one game behind Wodonga to finish second. Their opponent in the qualifying final will be Lavington, who finished third. In week one of the finals action, Wangaratta Rovers put an end to Cora Rutherglen's season with a commanding and somewhat ominous 76-point thumping, while Aubrey made it 13 wins on the trot with a 23-point win over Lavington in front of a qualifying final record gate. Wodonga Thirds easily accounted for Aubrey in the qualifying final, winning by 48 points to set up a crack at Benalla in the second semi-final and join the seconds and first-grade teams. Selectors made two changes to the Wodonga team that played round 18, with Steve Smith and Peter Sharp returning, while Vice-Captain Bob Craig was ruled out with an ankle injury. Craig Walsh was deemed by many to be unlucky to be dropped. The venue was the Lavington Sports Ground, and a massive crowd of 6,500 were on hand to watch what was expected to be a cliffhanger. How wrong they were, as Aubrey unleashed a stunning brand of football to belt the Bulldogs by a whopping 92 points and make it 14 straight wins and direct passage into the 1981 Grand Final in a fortnight. The Tigers' third quarter was almost perfect as they added nine goals eight to two goals four, as everything Aubrey did turned to gold and everything Wodonga tried turned to, well, you know what, as Steve Smith explains. Nothing happened right for us. The ball went the wrong way. Aubrey couldn't do anything wrong. You know, it bounced over our head. It was one of those days where everything went right for Aubrey and everything went wrong for us. But, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a bit of a shock. We're all young. I mean, we had, we had some great players in our side. But we're all young. We're all, you know, Johnny Collins, myself. We're all 20, 21, Bear Allen, 19. So to get beaten like that in a second semi-final, which probably was a lot of, for us our first final, was pretty devastating. Um, and then we knew we had the task of playing Wangaratta Rovers at Wangaratta mm. the next week. And we thought, well, you know, we had a great win. We, we, we finished on top of the ladder. It was, uh, it was pretty devastating to walk off the Lavy Sports Ground. I always remember everyone hung their heads and thought, Jesus, we've got Wangaratta Rovers next week at Wangaratta. We've really put ourselves in. But I think Dave McLeish's coaching, it turned us around 
and he really lifted us, our spirits over the next few days of training. You know, he, he got motivation speakers in and he did, he sort of brought out the uh, the BFL type of coaching back to the Ovens of Murray. Uh, I, th- I can remember we, um, we went to the Stump Hotel, I think it was that week, and we watched a video on a guy who motivated us about winning and and he really sort of lifted our spirits. And I think we ran out in that ground a different side the next Saturday. It was not all bad news for Donga, with the thirds defeating Benalla by nine points and the seconds smashing Yarrawonga by 76 points to both advance to the grand finals. The reaction by Wodonga at the selection table was swift and savage, with seven changes being made to the beaten second semi-final side. Out of the side went Neil Brown, Jim Britton, David Elkington, Frank Kennedy, Danny Murphy, Steve Headley and injured rover Gary Wheeler with a groin strain. The replacements were Bob Craig from injury, David Wartman, Craig Walsh, Tim Marks, Rob Grote, Brian Campbell and Craig Goody. Coach David McLeish explained the decisions behind all the changes. Yeah, being West, we sort of got caught out a bit because, um, yeah, the people, when we got into the drier conditions, we, yeah, we realised we were a little bit slower than what we should have been. So that's why it made, you know, as I said, we made so many changes coming into the, the finals after the first final being beaten by Aubrey. So um, we had to make a few changes to get a bit of speed back into our side. So that's what um, we were very lucky and fortunate to be able to do that. Because um, Aubrey were on the other foot with they what beat us in the first, second semi by 16 goals or something. They knew that we we sped up and we yeah you know, we were a lot quicker side when we came to the grand final. But uh, they couldn't make any changes because they won by 16 goals. So who were they going to drop? Yeah, would have been would have been he had his hand tied. Uh, poor old Tommy. He he thought, God, yeah, if they get going, we're going to be in trouble because they're going to be quicker than us. But uh, and that's what actually firstly happened. We 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 uh, changed our changed our side around a little bit and got a bit of speed in there and we found a bit of form against uh, the Rovers in the Premier final we, we played very well against them and, and got over the line to, to have another crack at Aubrey Wangaratta Rovers were a formidable preliminary final opponent having played in 10 of the last 11 grand finals winning 7 not the ideal opponent for a shell-shocked team of youth and inexperience Bob Craig explained the coach went down a different track to motivate the players he, uh, he came up with this video that had been shown to the North Melbourne Football Club under Ron Barassi, when he was coach there, and they had success in winning two flags under Ron. And uh, this bloke was known as Dr. Dennis Waitley. And he had this story, it was called POW, the philosophy of winning. And it was extremely powerful. You know, spoke about some great examples of what uh, winning's all about and the traits that you need to have and the traits that he found in winners. He used the example of Shane Gould, which was real uh, sort of prominent at the time. Uh, prisoners of war, everybody would have become more positive, confident about mending from the damage that was done by the Aubrey beating us in the second semi. So convincingly, we obviously would have been all doubting ourselves at that stage. I know that I used a lot of uh, what I heard that night for the rest of my footy career and life in general, really. The changes in preparation worked as Wodonga clawed and fought its way to an 18-point win and a massive amount of belief as the wheels started to turn ahead of the grand final. 
Rob Grote recalls the mood was positive and the opportunity the heavy loss the week before provided for him and others. When you think back to those times, Robbie, when you know you were only 18 or 19 years old or I was 20 at the time, you don't think of anything negative. Everything's just, well, let's go again after the second semi-final. And as I say, I watched the senior game because I was in the seconds coming back from a hamstring and rightly or wrongly, it was to my advantage that the, the Woodhunger got belted in the second semi-final, which we didn't like seeing, but that opened the door for myself and six others. So for, to change a, a second semi-final side uh, and bring seven new faces in is almost unheard of. But no, we just kept moving forward, being positive, and you know, we were exceptionally well led with Macca, Dave McLeish, and the game against Wangaratta Rovers, the preliminary final, and do our best to see what we can do there. And no, well, I don't I didn't think we ever contemplated losing, even though there was a 15-goal loss two weeks before. They did it the hard way with David Elkington, fractured cheekbone, and Craig Goody, ankle ligaments, out of action before half-time and out for the season. The inclusion of high-flying young gun Craig Walsh reaped a great reward with four goals. The class and poise of Evan Connick and Johnny Collins made a huge impact in the midfield, while the tenacity and the fight of the back six led by Steve Smith, Wayne Pendergast, Bob Craig and Greg Wood was inspirational as a renewed spirit surged through this rejuvenated team. So for the first time in eight years, Wangaratta Rovers were not in the grand final and for Wodonga, it was a chance to go one better than its 1979 loss to the Rovers. Wodonga coach David McLeish, buoyed by his spirited win, immediately set about planning how he could turn around the 15-goal loss from the second semi-final. McLeish explains. Get together at... Uh, Wodonga Town Hall or something, we had a big meeting and yeah, all the players were in there. We had we had a film we watched. Um, anyhow, it was a, an excellent sort of video, an emotional video that we had. Bobby Craig, had, I think he's still got us. He's, he's in love with it. <laughs> but because um, it was a major factor in uh, us turning it around, that particular film, uh, motivation film that uh, got the boys up and going. And um, anyway, because we had to make all those changes and uh, then we had jobs. We had jobs for you know, a very young side. We had guys doing jobs and a few players that played well and they did a magnificent job. The injuries to Goody and Elkington paved the way for Gary Wheeler's return from injury, while the exceptionally talented Stephen Headley was given another chance. Aubrey Wodonga had met only once previously in a grand final in 1939 when the Doug Strang coached Aubrey defeated the Bulldogs, who were coached by his brother Gordon in one of the great deciders. Wodonga's planning had David Wartman tagging Brian Dickinson, who had destroyed Wodonga in the second semi-final with six goals. Wayne Pendergast took on Jay McNeil, while teenage ruckman Brett Allen took on Tiger big man Trevor Leslie, and Steve Smith once again had the job on Tom Doolan. The Bulldogs loaded its forward lineup with height and speed, with Peter Sharp, Peter Olin, Craig Walsh and David Turner, the perfect blend that paid handsome dividends. Walsh said he made a trip up to Lavington the night before the game. I remember, you know, before the night before the grand final, I went over the Lavie Sports Ground and um, it sounds a bit bloody cheesy when I think back on it, but, but I actually walked out in the ground late at night, you know, it was dark. I didn't even know whether I'd get in, to be honest. I don't know where the fences up back then, but... I walked out and I walked around the ground, you know, kind of trying to just imagine what it'd be like the next day. You know, it, to, to be honest, it didn't, didn't really prepare me, but I, I seemed to have I had a reasonable game, you know. I, the pumping that Aubrey gave us 
down in the semis, and we got absolutely belted. You know, we, I've all, ever since then, I've always wanted to be the underdog going into a game. I always reckon it's easier you know, coming from behind rather than being the front runner. It was just meant to be, I reckon, and we and we got up, and Aubrey, you know, and I, I know it was true or not, but in my memory, I, I, I kind of remember Aubrey had already set up their their pavilion and, and you know, were ready for a grand final celebration and, and Wodonga, you know, underdogs to the, to the you know, the max came out and, and actually won it. The Wodonga Under-18 set the scene earlier in the day for the fairy tale 100-year celebration dream of three premierships on the one day for the first time in the history of the Evans Murray Football League when they beat Benalla in a heart-stopping contest by four points. Paul Werges became a Wodonga hero when he booted the ball off the ground off a high-flying pack to goal with just minutes remaining. David Maguire was best on ground, while Jeff Elkington booted four goals. Next up, the reserve grade, with an abundance of senior experience as they took on North Aubrey. The Doggies, despite a strong finish by the Hoppers, were never in doubt of taking the flag, with Lloyd Elwood kicking five goals and Peter Bully Macklin dominating the ruck in a best-on-ground performance. The final margin was 25 points as the team stayed on the ground to urge on the senior side as they run onto the ground amongst the skydivers and cheer squads. All was in readiness now for the big one. It was a cool, windy spring day in front of 12,000 spectators. The Bulldogs kicked to the eastern end of the Lavington Sports Ground with the advantage of a free goal breeze and took up the early running. Steve Smith recalls the drive to the ground. We took the bus from Martin Park, um and we drove over the hill to the Lavy Sports Ground. We looked down onto the grounds. We come over and we saw the crowd there. And I think everyone, everyone went quiet for a couple of seconds. So, geez, this is really big because there were people everywhere. It was a huge crowd. I said it was packed. Um, yeah, we were excited. And I think the thing was also that the third one um, that day and then the reserves one. And um, they were all celebrating and things like that. And we sort of thought, oh, geez, you know, well, we won two already. What's going to happen here? Uh, but we're all sort of up a bit and, um, you know, there was a big build-up before the game. It was, it was still, even though we'd beaten on 90 points the fortnight before, it was still an Aubrey-Wodonga grand final. And the funniest part about it, we went past the Aubrey sports ground on the way over and we saw the huge marquee they had set up on the ground and everything set up to celebrate their flag. And I think that even drove us even more to, to try and beat these blokes. Peter Olin snapped the first goal of the game, then Peter Sharp took a big grab and goal after six minutes before Gary Wheeler gold after Tiger defender Larry Walls was reported for striking Wheeler to the head just 15 metres out from goal. A late goal from Tiger midfielder Peter Cross reduced the margin to 12 points at quarter time in a rugged and bruising opening quarter. Hensel playing the ball now, well in front of him, close to the boundary line. He should be able to pick it up. He finally gets a hand pass to Peter Cross, and Peter Cross gets one around the neck. And uh, that could have been a bit of an evener-upper anyway. It could have been the evener-upper, and uh, anyway, Peter Cross now having a word with Tom Doolan. Doolan actually was only just patting Wheeler on the head. Tell him he's a good little boy. That's right, that's right. A a pretty big hand of him patting him on the head. Both sides kicked four goals each in the second quarter with Daryl Bakes third of the quarter, putting Aubrey in front for the first time at the 20 minute mark before Wodonga regained the lead when Evan Connick booted a 50 metre bomb into the breeze and then Craig Walsh set the ground alight with a huge mark and goal. He's a big kick too, Jim. Yes, my word he is, but he's kicking against the breeze. Here's the kick. Look at the kick, it's, it's a beauty. Almost make the distance, not quite over. Oh, what a, a mark. up for the mark of a day so far, Jim. Oh, beautiful mark. 
to the Wodonga forwards on that occasion. And that's Craig Walsh coming in to take that beautiful mark. And he's only uh, 10 metres out, almost directly in front. That was a beautiful mark. And he has the chance to put the seventh major on the board. And once again, those Orby backmen literally refuse. And there it goes. That well, was a beautiful mark, a really good kick from Ireland. There's no two ways about it. Wodonga club doctor. Dr. Bill Grant was busy at half-time administering pain-killing injections to both Frank Reynolds, broken thumb, and Bob Craig with that ongoing ankle injury, as the doggies led a gripping contest by just seven points. Wodonga made a decisive move just before half-time when former best and fairest winner Steve Headley was brought onto the ground. Headley ran rings around the Tigers' defence as he collected 11 kicks in the third quarter. Rob Grote rated him highly. Steve was a, a, a freakish type player. He uh, He's probably one of the most talented players I've ever seen, I would put down. He had a few off-field discretions that ran around a bit sometimes, and um, but he came on and I, my memory tells me Steve had the most possessions on the ground for the day, and he only came on just a couple of minutes prior to half-time. So you can, he had a huge impact on the final result there as well. The Bulldogs' third quarter was just what the doctor ordered with its speedy, bold and fearless brand of football turning the three-quarter time lead into 30 points as David McLeish, Gary Wheeler, Evan Connick and Rob Grote cut loose in the midfield as they added six gold six to Aubrey 3-1. The quarter was highlighted by brilliant goals to David Turner. Oh, here's danger now for uh, the foot. They come in long long foot. foot and he comes on wide and through and it's a beautiful goal that time. Beautiful goal of the Dogger. And that's off the boot of um, David Turner. Then Peter Sharp. Then there's Peter Sharp coming in, driving it right through. That's his second goal for the match. And best on ground, Gary Wheeler. The champion since he came on the ground, kicks it into the goal. And what a magnificent goal. That would have to be the goal of the match, Jim. That was an absolute gem of a goal. The Doggies started the last quarter superbly with David Turner kicking his fifth goal to extend the lead to 36 points and a firm hold on the Burton's Family Premiership Cup. However, in typical Aubrey fashion, they bombarded the Wodonga defence with goals to Daryl Bakes and Tom Dooling getting the ball rolling before first Phil Byatt and then Peter Cross made it four goals in just six minutes to take the margin back to 11 points with over 15 minutes remaining. And, and the ball, breaks loose, shoots a hand pass out to Peter Cross, he's on his left foot, goes goalward, he's there, what a quarter. Young Ruckman, Brett Allen, explained how he handled the pressure situation. you just got to stick to your task, I suppose, so um, like when you're younger, you just sort of, you don't think the same as you do when you've been playing, or playing for a little while and you, you might have thought of other avenues that you had to do to sort of, uh, you know, shore up the either the back line or whatever. But for me, like, and I suppose for the other younger blokes, we were just out there doing what we were told, and we left that sort of to the brains trust on the bench, and that, and they ultimately did the did the job. But um, yeah, they come back at us pretty hard, so uh, I think we did well to hang on and then um, and then kick away again. The next five minutes was grand final pressure at its best as players from both sides threw everything at the contest before some superb lead-up work gave the Doggies the steadying gold via David Turner. Picked up by Wodonga, by Wartman, down towards the full forward zone, buckles there, and what a mark. Oh, what a great match. 
question mark. Lyon. Lyon says the umpire. As Wortman comes in, bad football, but picked up by Buckle. Lucky for the Aubrey side as Hensel comes in. Can't get it. Picked up once again by McLeish. Could have almost been holding the ball on that occasion. In comes Mark Ryan, but beautifully picked up by the big fellow in Ireland. He goes Goldwood. And there is Peter Crott. Beautiful mark to Turner. And Wodonga fighting back here in this final turn. Daryl Bakes got one back for Aubrey to reduce the lead to just 12 points. This forced Wodonga to make the move of Craig Walsh to the back line. And what a move it was as the spring-heeled teenager pulled down four match-saving marks that remain etched in Wodonga folklore. Here comes Peter Cross with the ball now, looking for Daryl Bakes. Up they go. Oh, beautiful mark over the back. And I noticed that uh, Wodonga throwing Walsh down the back line. Craig, who was limping, has gone to the forward pocket. Goes towards Bide, he waits for it to bounce. Oh, he runs back into trouble, gets away from it. Gets the ball under his left foot up towards the forward zone and a beautiful mark. And this fella down the last line of defence is starting to play well for Wodonga. It's a good move putting Walsh down there. Yes, my word it is. And here comes Leslie, the big one, down towards the full forward zone. Two players down there and once again it's this first a great move by the uh, Wodonga selectors. Walsh has saved them time and time again. Cross gets the ball towards Dickinson and away go the Aubrey side towards Reed. Reed down towards the forward position and once again Wodonga playing in front of that last line of defence and it's been a masterly move to put Walsh down there. With Aubrey throwing everything at Wodonga and still a chance, it was coach David McLeish and towering forward Peter Olin who sealed the premiership with two brilliant running goals that finally sunk the Tigers. McLeish now drives the Bulldogs goal and up towards Craig. And that's the sealer. I think that's the end. That's the sealer, I would say. Good play, Bobby Craig, too. Craig shepherding the ball through. And I think Wodonga have home and hose now at the 21 minute mark of the final term. Lyon says the umpire has the best man on the ground now. Wheeler gets the ball across to Lyon. No Wodonga. And Wodonga. They're home for all money here. This look at them. They're so excited. <laughs> Peter Owen's gone mad in the centre, Jim. Yes, they're home for all money, Graham. With the massive Wodonga supporter base roaring and chanting, the Premiership dream became a reality as the final siren echoed across the Lavington Sports Ground. There it is. There it is. Finished, well, there's the final siren. 19-11, 125, have beaten Aubrey, 14 goals, 14-98, and what a great comeback, Graham, after a 15-goal defeat two weeks ago at the hands of the Tigers. Wodonga have come back and defeated Aubrey. Thousands of Wodonga supporters flooded the ground to swarm their heroes as McLeish was carried from the ground to accept the Premiership Cup. Gary Wheeler was named best on ground in what was to be sadly his last game of football. Before celebrations kicked into gear back at Martin Park and the civic reception by the Wodonga City Council, two busloads of players and partners made an impromptu stop at the Aubrey Sports Ground. Brett Allen explains that and the celebrations, while Rob Grote tells a celebration story about the much-loved Gary Wheeler. Well, she was a massive week, and I don't think that Wodonga was geared up for the uh, for the win, uh, to be honest, because um, we went back to Martin Park, and I'd never seen so many people in all my life. We're, there was only um, one Wodonga side back then. There was no Raiders or anything, of course. So um, 
I think there was makeshift tinny birds getting made up and they were trying to get beer from everywhere and whatnot because there were some people at that ground that I've never seen at a game of footy before. So um, there was a, it seemed like the whole town was there. So it was, she was pretty big and then played on Saturday in those days. So Sunday was a pretty big day and then everyone, of course, had the Monday as well. So it was actually pretty big because we hadn't won one since 1969. And then, then to win all three, like three grades, uh, was pretty big too because it was our centenary year. So, um, yeah, the celebrations were sort of pretty long and hard. And we piled into the buses to go back across and then we go, you know, come into Wodonga Place where the Aubrey Sports Ground was. So we decided that uh, it would be a good idea if we pulled over within earshot of the uh, Aubrey th throng and, um, and then Tom Doolan had the uh, the appropriate name that we could actually sing up a dozen times, hang down your head, Tom Doolan, <laughs> which wasn't that great, gracious at the time. But uh, anyway, I don't know how many times we sung that. And then we uh, finally chuffed off back over to Martin Park and enjoyed the celebrations of the win. Anybody that can remember or, or knew Gary would know that he just a little little bloke strong in stature and bold but he had long flowing dark hair and a, a huge long beard and uh, had a little fella a little son that was about two years old at the time i'm not sure if it was the monday or the tuesday or the wednesday after the grand final was on a sunday we were around at bob craig's place and somebody decided it'd be a good idea to start cutting off beards but and wheels was wasn't happy with that because his young bloke wouldn't know who he was after he hadn't seen him without a beard so he climbed up on the roof of the shed where nobody could get him and we had to toss the, the beers up to wheels for the rest of the day. Of the 60 players who played on that historic day, 47 of them had come through the Wodonga Junior League. The average age of the seniors was 23, with only two players over the age of 26. Eight were under 21. Sadly, when the podcast was being made, Tim Marks, a schoolboy friend and a premiership teammate of Rob Grote, was in poor health in Italy. Grote explains. Yeah, Tim is, is a, a guy that's my age, only a month or two apart, I think, and I first met Tim when my family came to town in 1967, so he's well over 50 years, Robbie, and sadly, Tim has, well, he's lived overseas in Rome for many years. He went over as a physio for one of the big Italian uh, soccer sides. Uh, Tim had a heart attack earlier this year, and I only spoke to his mum, Pam, this morning, and sadly, Tim's been in a coma since then. Um, has uh, a severe brain injury and the future's well and truly unknown. The final word belongs to the man who steered the ship into Wodonga Football Club folklore in its 100th year. A year that delivered three premierships on that golden day in September. Here's David McLeish. To um, captain and coach the side to win the grand final, it doesn't matter what level you are, that's, I think um, that's the ultimate thing you want to achieve and uh, yeah, even playing in front of 105,000 people in the, in the MCG, um, I think that just about tips that over the 81 grand final for me anyhow. The Wodonga Premiership team for 1981. From the back line, Terry Doolan, Frank Reynolds, Bob Craig, halfbacks, Greg Wood, Steve Smith, Robert Grote. Centre line, John Collins, Evan Connick, Brian Campbell. Half forward line, Craig Walsh, Peter Olin, Wayne Pendergast. Forward line, Peter Sharp, David Turner, David Wartman. The Rucks, Brett Allen, David McLeish, Gary Wheeler. Interchange, Stephen Headley, Tim Marks. Well, there you have it. 
what a way to celebrate your 100th year as a football club. Don't forget to join the Wodonga Football and Netball Club's Facebook page, where you can join the Past Players Group or purchase club apparel. Again, a big thank you to One Agency Aubrey Wodonga, Tyre Power Wodonga, Outdoor Indulgence Pools Yarrawonga, Stephen Smith Massage Therapy, Wodonga Bulldogs Past Players Association and the Wodonga Football and Netball Club for making this episode possible. For now, it's goodbye, stay safe and thanks for listening to Glory Days.